Hi guys and welcome to another podcast from BetfairTradingCommunity.com uh, with me your host Martin Futter and uh, I'm starting a new series today, uh, kind of a what I want to be a series of podcasts uh, really called Ramblings of a Pro Trader. Um, so this is the first episode of that and uh, I thought I'd just give you a little overview of what, what it's going to be and uh, I mean... It's kind of like that Ron Seal advert, you know, it does what it says on the tin. Well, this is going to do what it says on the tin, you know, this is going to just be ramblings. Um, from me, it might not always be me. Uh, I don't know if Ryan wants to get involved with this, I haven't spoken to him yet. Um, but yeah, I just thought, I know a lot of people like podcasts and, and just listening to some chat from pro traders. So I thought, well, maybe some people will want to just hear some general musings um from us in terms of just just chatting really about sport about trading and uh, seeing where it goes so anyway i hope you enjoy listening um you know maybe this is a, a better thing to listen to if you're in your car or whatever or you've got a lot of time on your hands um you know this might not be the one to get the pen and paper ready and, and study majorly hard with but hopefully you find it at least uh, enjoyable and uh, let me know what you think anyway. Uh, I love getting your feedback in general and uh, it's really nice hearing all the positive things that people have been saying about our podcasts and videos recently and uh, you know we're, we're always going to enjoy that. Even even if there's things we can improve on, um, just you know, give me a shout on that because we do actually take the feedback we get into consideration just because what we've done has been really successful so far doesn't mean we're not looking to learn i think one of the brilliant things about betfairtradingcommunity.com is that we're always willing to learn adapt and evolve the service for the needs of our members but yeah anyway i'm just gonna crack on i'm watching uh, leipzig dortmund at the moment um dortmund one nil up quite a good little game here basically watching uh, Norwich reserves here because uh, of course Norwich went and got one of the Dortmund youth managers and uh, now we play a very similar style to Dortmund um, although I think our style looks slightly better actually but probably because we're playing against second division um, opponents in the championship but yeah it's, uh, it's amazing really how many of these Dortmund coaches are getting snapped up I think uh, Huddersfield have gone for another one now that they've sacked their manager and uh, yeah I mean the the style of football it's funny because being an Norwich fan it always used to make me laugh when people moaned about style of football uh, it used to be quite a big thing at the club a bit like West Ham they've been kind of similar in that way although they're, they've been a more successful club in recent years but sort of the fans have this at Norris kind of had this expectation that we should be I don't know playing like Brazil or something oh my god that's terrible keeper error there might cost them a goal it hasn't I don't know how if anyone watches is watching this Leipzig game you'll know about the error I mean but yeah um, it's amazing really just just how that's all been happening in the world of sport and the thing with Norwich is we're not a big club you know I'm happy if we're in the Premier League or in the hunt for it. Um, I'd take an hour of dice if we were down the bottom of the league any day of the week and stay up. But I, some fans, I think, would rather lose and, and play with style than, than win ugly, which uh, I'll never really understand uh, 
because to me sport has always been about the winning um, and about getting the result but you know it seems to be the way of modern football now but it has it has led to Norwich playing a really attractive style of football so even though I kind of bemoan these fans actually it's, their attitudes kind of paid off because the board have never felt like they could hire a Pulis or an Allardyce type character and that's why we end up with experimental managers like Farker and actually it's it's coming up roses at the moment God knows what we'll do in the Premier League trying to play this style of football um, but that said you know you've got to look at teams like Bournemouth who've gone in and, and done that and stayed in the Premier League for ages now so you know they've done really well the other big game going on at the moment is uh, Arsenal-Chelsea, which I was watching until Arsenal went a couple of goals up. Um, and I kind of lost interest at that point and switched to the Dortmund game. Purely because it, Arsenal has just been so dominant in this game, playing at home. I can't really see a way back in it for Chelsea. Uh, quite disappointing, really, from Chelsea's perspective, how easily they've kind of been rolled over by Arsenal who haven't been in great form recently themselves um, but yeah it's, uh, it looks like Chelsea could could struggle now if they don't get the striker situation sorted I know that Higuain's coming in apparently the board weren't even convinced that he was any kind of solution they were just going on what the manager thought really so uh, yeah really strange one there uh, it looks like, uh, I mean, I can't believe how well Solskjaer has done. I mean, if there's one thing that, that can't be predicted, it, it's reaction. And we, funnily enough, we actually talked about reactions. So if you listen to our uh, trading show, me and Ryan do every week, um, we talked about the, the likelihood of a positive reaction from Solskjaer taking over. I didn't expect seven wins in a row, which is, uh, which is incredible. Um, it really makes it interesting to see what will happen next season because it's going to be very difficult to get rid of him if he keeps doing this. And uh, it's almost like a catch-22 where, you know, if you're a fan of United, you want the team to do well. But, you know, do you really want Solskjaer in the long term? Is he a long-term answer? I don't think many people really believe that. But, again, if he does well, it's going to be very difficult to sack him a bit like what happened with Di Matteo at Chelsea, actually, funny enough, where Chelsea won the Champions League and uh, under Di Matteo, and then they had to keep him. They had to give him a deal, and uh, obviously I think it was three months later or maybe three months after the start of the season, he got sacked. So, you know, maybe we see a similar situation here where I think really any United fan with sense is going to want someone like Pochettino who's done you know, incredible things at Spurs and got them playing a fantastic brand of football um, with very limited resources compared to the other clubs around him. So, yeah, I mean, from my point of view, I think Pochettino, they've got to go all out to get him, really. Um, but, like I say, with Solskjaer doing well, they might not be able to. And, uh, of course, there's no guarantees Poch will leave, even though United's the bigger job at the moment. Um, in some ways Spurs are in just as good a position to push on in the coming years and the club will grow in stature across the world uh, the more times it makes the Champions League which seems to be every season at the moment so it'll be interesting to see what happens there but again it, it just proves what we've talked about where 
that manager reaction, uh, you really just can't understate it. I mean, even looking at, um, I think it's Macclesfield. I haven't followed it that closely, to be honest, but I think it's Macclesfield with Sol Campbell. And Campbell's been wanting a job for ages, but no one's given him one. And uh, you do have to wonder why, because uh, maybe he was doing being too picky. Maybe it was something to do with his race. But it is interesting that such a successful player is struggling to get management roles when you look at other similar sort of successful players like Roy Keane. They seem to get endless amounts of opportunities even when they weren't doing very well for with a few clubs. So it is interesting uh, what happens there. Um, although obviously Keane's been sort of relegated to this assistant role now under Martin O'Neill which seems to be like a thing that they're looking to move forward which is such a strange combination I mean I guess it works because they're just opposites but you know you've got the I mean on the face of it I, I guess he's not in the field of battle but on the face of it the calmest bloke in the world in Martin O'Neill and the sort of reassuring tone he has in his voice and then you've got Roy Keane who you know is uh just a nutter I mean there's no real other explanation I can give um, but yeah really interesting to see what happens there uh, you know with these two working together what seems like it's going to keep happening I um, wonder if there will be some kind of fallout one day or, or maybe O'Neill's a guy to just calm him down a bit who knows Actually, just going back to the uh, Arsenal-Chelsea game, it's quite interesting. I think Arsenal about 3.4 prior to kickoff, and Chelsea were around 2.4. Arsenal playing at home at the Emirates. Really strange one for me that Arsenal were underdogs there. Um, obviously not going to claim some sort of you know uh, great achievement in thinking that because of course you know this is I'm talking about this sort of during the event. But that said, I mean, anyone who watched opening that game, it was so easy to tell that that price was was value and that Chelsea were were way too short uh, and, and shouldn't really have been favourites away at a place like Arsenal. You know, similar positions in the league. I'm really not sure what justified that favouritism. Chelsea haven't exactly been setting the world alight in recent weeks. Um, and, you know, Arsenal needed desperately to win a game like that so that they could you know take the top four things seriously again uh, but like I say I mean with trading it, it's amazing how often you can just watch you know the first 10-15 minutes of a game and you can see when a team is overpowered um, I mean you can see it yesterday actually if you did watch the Norwich Birmingham game Norwich were just totally dominant I mean the whole from start to finish really it was crazy even when Birmingham equalised, um, you know, you could see that one was only going one way. And, uh, I mean, they barely had a touch on the ball. But again, you know, if you can spot these things early on the Norwich one, I think they're around evens at that point. You could still get a decent price on them there. And uh, more often than not, it's going to pan out the way you expect it to. You know, when it's... I'm, I'm not talking about slight dominance and then momentum changes... I'm talking about real strong dominance, which is what, in both those examples, was was shown to us. Um, and again, going back to the Arsenal one, an underdog at home is always dangerous. And when you see them dominating like that, 
given the fact they're two similar teams in terms of stature, in terms of um, in terms of success recently, because you've got to think these are the teams that are in the Europa League. You know, neither of them's been outstanding last season. They've both changed their manager. Um, okay, Chelsea had a very good start to the season, but that's tailed off a lot. Um, so it's uh, it's quite interesting, really, how how the bookmakers come up with these odds. I I, I do wonder sometimes where they pick those odds up from. Um, but rather than argue with it, you just got to look at it, maybe watch the first few minutes, and take the value while it's there. What always amazes me in football is that the market is so slow to self-correct, you know. So, And even when it does, you're talking a few ticks. It's unlikely that Arsenal were going to become favourites unless they scored, which obviously they did, and then they became favourites, um, no matter what. Because the market in play is purely dictated by the pre-match odds. So, you know, if the pre-match odds say X... Even if Y is happening in-game and it's still nil-nil, the odds will be pretty much the same for the first 20 minutes. I mean, they might drift a little bit and the draw will come in, obviously, but that's just because of time um, eroding, not because the market's correcting itself. So, effectively, you know, I think where you can have a real edge in trading, and I've always said this, is the fact that the market is so slow to react in football. Um, again, it's going to be similar in most other sports. I think it's because the market has so much faith in the odds makers, so that when the odds makers come up with a pre-match price, the market is so convinced that it's the correct price that you know, no matter what's happening in the match, unless there's a goal, um, they're not going to react and say no, they should be favourites. Um, oh, great save by Dortmund's keeper there in this game, and uh, making up for his error earlier. And yeah, I think uh, so much can be gained from watching games, you know, especially the bigger games because they're so easy to get um, hold of in terms of pictures and things. You don't have to worry too much about following in play stats and stuff and, and how accurate are the stats in play, which can sometimes be a problem. Um, I mean, I remember one game, I think it was in Chile, because I remember the team, well, I know it was in Chile, because I know the name of the team, Anto Fergasta, a Chilean side, and uh, I think there was something like, apparently, 70 shots on target, right, according to the stats, in place stats. Well, I mean, okay, I've watched a lot of Chilean football, and they do run around like headless chickens, um, but... I mean, you're talking 70 shot. It would have to be a shot nearly every minute on target, which, uh, of course, is crazy and obviously not true. But, you know, it just shows that actually it's good to watch and see what's happening in front of you because, you know, never can you have a more accurate um, sort of impression of a game than seeing it in front of your eyes. And, uh, you know... I one of the good things here in watching Leipzig Dortmund is if Leipzig do look strong, they're a goal down at the moment, 15 minutes to go, laying Dortmund will be a good play because their odds are short, you know, and you're always wanting to get into situations like that, in my opinion, where you're getting good odds. Um, the match flow is saying that actually the odds you're getting are value. 
I mean, there was a there was a tip posted today on the forum, a really clever tip when Palace went up against Liverpool. Um, you know, Liverpool were such short price favourites at home today to Palace, top of the league by four points. And when Liverpool went a goal behind, actually, that was when laying Palace or backing Liverpool suddenly became value. Um, because, you know, Liverpool's home form this season has been exceptional. And uh, there was a very good chance they'd come back and still win the game. Um, and of course they did in the end. Uh, they went 2-1 up pretty quickly after that. Then it went 2-all. And then it went 4-2. And then it went 4-3. Cracking game. Um, but, you know, a couple of spots there where you could have traded and made some money. Um, but again, I think it, another thing that I, I want to talk about is the idea of greening up because I've seen quite a few people lose money where they just refuse to green up because something looks like it's set in stone. Um, so, I mean, a good example of that is when Liverpool went 2-1 up, you know, you're probably thinking, oh, my lay of Palace, no chance, it, it doesn't come in. And then suddenly, um, it's 2 all, and you're sweating again. You know, and it, it could easily go too free. Why not take pretty much the whole stake profit that you would have had at 2-1 um, and then actually put yourself in a position where you're under risk again? Um, you know, Another example I can think of from the past week was Murray against Bautista, where he went, Bautista went two sets to love up. And he was trading, I think, way below 1.05. Um, I can't remember the exact odds. But yeah, he was trading way below that. And Murray got it back to two sets all. Now, if you hadn't greened up, say you'd backed Bautista and you hadn't greened up, which which a lot of people wouldn't have done. Because they would have thought this is match over, Murray's, in, Murray's injured, he's retiring, he's gone. And yet suddenly, you know, you're back to two sets all and... You know, actually, you would have made a loss on your pre-match odds because Murray's odds would be better than they would have been pre-match at two sets all, and it actually looked a bit like Bautista was uh, tiring. But um, you know, he didn't tire in the end, and he won the fifth set pretty easily. But still, you're putting yourself in quite a risky position there um, for no real reason. So again, I think such a key thing is greening up when you're in a very good position now, I know how tempting it can be when you think an event's finished and it's over there's no point greening up why would I why would I lose you know two three percent of my profit when when I could just wait but actually in those uh, scenarios you're seeing uh, that actually you're putting yourself at big risk and it's almost going really badly and there's loads of situations where 1.01s lose the rods come into 1.01 and it loses. It happens a lot. I remember in the early days, I don't know if this still happens now, but the early days of Betfair, um, the Racing Post used to publish when a 1.01 got busted. And it used to be every you know couple of days, and I don't think they were even watching every market, especially on things like tennis. You know, It really can happen, and uh, it only takes a little change in momentum for these things to suddenly swing wide open again. Um, you know, so like I say, one of the keys really to, if you do take anything away from these ramblings, is that, you know, take that green when it's there. 
especially if you think the game's over just take the green and move on don't think oh, I'll just let it run doesn't matter because um, I've just given two examples where that could have been hugely costly um, to the trader and uh, it's just it's just not worth it in the long run because you know why take that risk and and the other thing with if you do make a loss in that situation it's very tough mentally making a loss on a trade where a massive green was available. It's actually, I think, the worst thing mentally because you feel like you've literally, and to be honest, you have, literally thrown money away. And uh, what it will often lead to, especially with newer traders who, who either don't know better or can't control themselves, so they will chase the loss and they will chase that money they've thrown away. So they might not even chase the loss, they might just chase the green they didn't make, shove a load of money on the next match, and uh, invariably lose that money, lose a massive amount of their bankroll, because, all because they didn't take a big green when the opportunity was there. And maybe it sounds like I'm just talking like doomsday, worst case scenario here, but it's happened. I've seen it happen. Uh, people have people have told me about it. I think I've probably done it in the early days. I mean, you know, I didn't have great discipline when I first started trading. It was definitely something I had to learn and really get a hold of and, and understand, you know, um, because it's amazing how much money you can save where, by just making the right decision in that spot. And you might feel like, oh, but I could have made another you know, five, ten quid if I'd stayed in. Well, yeah, maybe. And most of the time you will. But on those times you don't, are you going to be able to sit back and go, it's okay, because I'll win the next one, and not chase and still do sensible trading? Or could it set something off in you um, that is it's not something you want to be seeing or getting involved in um, and end up, you know, losing a lot of your money when actually you're a good trader because you made a good trade and you, you, you've lost money because of some indiscipline later on. But actually, ironically, in this scenario, you're a very good trader because you've made a very good green or you could have done. Um, so you're obviously picking the right things and getting in in the right spot. Um, but like I say, you've just got to get out of the right spot. It's, it's absolutely crucial. Okay, so I think that's probably enough rambling for me for one for one week. Um, if you did enjoy this, let me know, and I'll carry on with them. Um, if he didn't and it was rubbish, just let me know, and I won't, because, uh, you know, I could save my time. Oh, Sancho's got a chance here. He's gone for a corner. Oh, he's angry about that, not having a proper shot at goal. Um, but, yeah, let me know in the in the comments on the forum or email me um, like I say if you don't use the forum if you're a member of betfairtrainingcommunity.com and you don't use the forum you're missing out on a huge resource if you do use the forum um, brilliant you know keep getting involved we say like we say there's no reason not to because no question on our site is a, is a silly one um, no matter how new you are to it all no matter how much you might think we've heard the question a million times um, kind of Ryan, Ryan, Adam, and my mantra is is to help people um, from the very beginning of their trading experience. Just because we think that doing that 
is really the key between success and not having success so if you are able to set off on the right foot your percentage chance of, of making it in the industry um, just I mean well, I don't have any stats on this but, but it would it would go up massively um, so you know you've got to be you've got to be getting the right influences around you and I think that's where our forum um, differs really to anywhere else you're not really going to get that anywhere else obviously you've got me Ryan and Adam so that's free pro traders straight off the bat you've got people like Richard and Luke on the cricket who are pro traders and just uh, well I don't really need to say this because if you follow the thread you'll know but just outstanding um, traders you've got guys on the horses now ripping it up I mean horses isn't my thing but Ryan's, you know, always telling me about how brilliantly the horse horse racing guys are doing. You got people in the tennis forum. You've got emerging like rising talents as well. Um, and obviously, you've got people like Keith and Richard on the football who are doing brilliant things. So, you know, it, it really is. It's just a place that you don't you don't get anywhere else. And uh, we're really proud that we have BTC. We're really proud that. Um, we're able to be members of it ourselves uh, because we'll learn from it. I think offside goal there for Dortmund. But um, yeah, like I say, let me know how it was and uh, hopefully I'll be back next week with some more ramblings um, from Pro Trader.